0: Welcome back to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in partnership with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Our first guest of 2023 is Allie Sanders, Assistant Women's Basketball Coach at Harvard University. We talked to Coach Sanders about using technology to market your program, the role of recruiting coordinator, working with a first-time head coach, creating scouting reports, and much, much more. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout podcast. coach we start every episode with our opening tip so we kind of wanted to go through kind of how you got into coaching okay you you, obviously you played here in illinois at dundee crown then you went off to florida to play your collegiately right and then you're done playing what kind of what what kind of decision making process was those next steps and how did you end up getting into the coaching coaching world
1: absolutely yeah it's definitely started before i went to florida um When I was in high school right away I knew I wanted to coach so whether it was just getting extra work in with my teammates to start or coaching younger kids we had camps all the time in the summer Um, it was a big part of me as a player developing um, was just kind of getting my voice as a leader on the on the floor as a point guard Um, and then in college you know I played division two so I had summers Um, so I came back to Illinois I worked for Illinois Magic as an AU coach Um, started as an assistant and then um, had my own team. I believe it was seventh graders, seventh and eighth graders. Um, And then also just working camps again. So whether it was Dundee Crowns or worked it for PGC um, and just anything, any times I could get my hands on, on a ball and and be teaching, that's just kind of how it started was, was in college as well. So um, did some individual workouts with players, high school players, um, back home when I also came back from Florida, so that was kind of how it started. Uh, so I knew right away, and of course my goal in high school was I wanted to be a high school PE teacher and a coach. Um, and then I got to college and I was like, wait, I can do this full time and I don't have to teach anything. This sounds spectacular. Uh, so got right into that. Um, had some people really help me uh, and and mentor me through the process of finding a way into college, uh, which is definitely a process. But I knew all along that I wanted to coach.
2: Sounds sounds to me, Todd, like we need to find a new route. She went right to just coaching full time. <laughs> um, so we wanted to jump in for you. Uh, you know, Todd and I like to do our homework on every guest. And um, you know, there you've done a, an abundance of work with technology. Uh, you began it as an assistant video coordinator. So the first kind of topic we wanted to jump in with you was what what did you learn early on from taking video and kind of making it a sort of Come to life for players, and then more of a, a broader question. Just in your opinion, how can coaches more effectively use video to teach players? Because obviously, we know there's there's video everywhere now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is a ton of technology, and what's been interesting is you brought up, you know, being at Marquette and and working in those technology jobs. That's what seems like been a while ago. I think it's been six years, and everything evolves so quickly. And I think the most important thing is that um we're staying up to technology and we're staying up to how people want to be marketed when it comes to the marketing side of it and be taught when it comes to the teaching side of it for the players so since then when that was like my primary focus as my role in my job um it has changed a lot from you know to now where i'm at with harvard so um products for marketing side. Adobe was the first thing that I learned right away at University of Florida as a graduate assistant. So there was making graphics for recruits, uh, graphics for emails, graphics for coaches to text out um, any way that I could be helpful. I was trying to learn any any tech to kind of get myself ahead of the game. Uh, Same with Marquette. Um, So we would use a lot of you know, Photoshop, Premiere, making videos. Uh, my boss's big thing for me was making uh, hype videos for for pregames, which was hilarious because I had no skill in that area. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm trying to make these extremely hype videos with all these uh, awesome plays from the year, whatever it was, picking songs that the girls liked, um, putting After Effects on there and just learning, learning different um, ways to keep them engaged and get them excited. So I remember people always talk about, you know, we were in in a conference tournament, we were in the big East conference tournament. Um, and a lot of people have to pull all-nighters because you have a new scout every day who wins. You know, you have to switch it up. Okay. No, we don't have Villanova. Now we have seen Hall. you know, whatever it is. Um, and I told them, yeah, I, I had an all-nighter too, but it was me making a highlight video for the next game. Um, so I spent all night listening to the same song over and over again, which was very exciting for me. Um, but yeah, it, I think each generation likes to be communicated to differently too. And it seems like with these young people that we're coaching, um, they're changing all the time. And so whether it's, you know, year to year, you're talking to freshmen, you're talking to seniors, um, they're different and they like to be taught differently, spoken to differently. Um, and also obviously individuals on a, on a learning level, um, when it comes to video breakdown, um, you just kind of have to understand how they want to be taught and want to be learned. So for me, we use huddle sports code. So again, that was a technology that I think everyone's familiar with now. Um, but that we used right, right off the bat at university of Florida. Um, and so it's a lot of different ways. We'll break down practice. We break down game film, obviously. Um, and some, sometimes it's a text right after practice. So we'll jump on, cut some film up, And if I am harping on something with a kid all day, your foot positioning is wrong. Like you're doing this and they they can't get it. They can't get it. They can't get it. Um, That's usually a sign that they don't know what you're saying. Um, So right away, I think that's one of the best ways to get something to really be ingrained in, in one of your student athletes brains is here. This is what I was seeing all day at practice do you see this like confirmation? Yes, coach. I understand now. Um, I think that's an awesome way. I think sometimes when you wait an extra day, it kind of leaves their mind already. And they're like, all right, I'm ready for you to yell at me again all day about this. Um, so just a little bit better sometimes to um, kind of get ahead of it and and make sure that they understand immediately. Um, and then obviously just film sessions for us, we're doing it really regularly. Um, so I have a position in Position group. I work with the post players. So for the most part, I'm watching film with them Um, and getting a consistent routine is just what I think is the most important. So they know to come in um, after every game day for sure. And then a lot of times after practices, harder practices um, for them, um, they know to come in uh, whenever they have time in between classes, whatever it is, they can bring lunch. It doesn't matter and you know we sit in my office and and go over everything and and that's just their chance to um see what i'm seeing uh ask questions learn and i also think a big thing is showing them also what it should look like uh so not just hey this is wrong um you know you're not doing this right move your foot here but do i have some clips of it being done really well whether it's uh, one of their teammates or a professional team WNBA clips Hey, this is what I'm asking you to do. You know, how does this make sense to you? Um, I'll show them with me positioning. We'll go down on the court, whatever it is. Um, just trying to make sure that, you know, you're not spending so much time teaching them in a way that they don't understand.
0: All right. So you touched on a little bit of our next question. I'm going to, I'm going to tweak it a little bit, um, you know, with the technology and the hype videos and and marketing your program. Right. And obviously mm-hmm. You said it's changed changed a lot i mean even high schools now have like all kinds of crazy technology mm-hmm. but um you know kind of john and i talk all the time as we watch like high school games and things like that you know the numbers in, in girls basketball a lot of teams numbers are down right so how can we use some of that as a, as a tool to get more kids interested or or notice uh, you know, the program, obviously we encourage multiple sport athletes and things like that, but you know, how can we use some of that technology and those videos and and some of that promotion stuff to get kids interested and keep playing at the high school level?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's really important obviously for, for your teams to be seen and be marketed. And obviously a big part of that, if you're trying to reach you know, 14, like starting early 13, 14 and then 15 year olds and on, um, is meeting them where they're at. And that's basically every social media platform. But, uh, it seems especially TikTok right now, Instagram, um, Twitter less for that age group for sure. Um, but they want to see people that look like they're having a good time. I think that's what really at that age that they're looking for is, are these girls having fun? Um, do they seem welcoming, Does this seem like something I can do also? So I think that's something to be tricky about too. If it's like a really great highlight and it's always like super hype, like that could also be really intimidating, to be honest. Um, So just something that's like, this is very welcoming. This is an environment I wanna be part of. Culturally, it looks like they work hard, they have fun. Um, I think having that on any social media platform and using your own players to market it is huge. So will they repost it? Will they post it from their own accounts? Can they be the very one that is reaching these young people? Um, by, you know, posting their own stuff and that could be individual clips that they just grabbed from huddle or, um, obviously a team video, but just using different ways to, to reach those, those young people. But I think even more so it's just how you reach them in person, um, and how welcoming your, your girls are. Um, I think that's like the first impression if they come out and, uh, they're really, really excited, but right away feel like it's something that they can't manage or they can't do. Um, I think I would guess that is a, is a big reason why there's a little bit of a fallout, but just getting them engaged. I agree with you, um, by marketing on social media could be really, really helpful.
0: All right, Policky, you better start making some TikTok videos then. I want to see it.
1: Let's go. Let's go. I want to see your skills.
0: I need,
2: I need coach's skill right there. (laughs) Um, I,
1: I, I really, I really use our players a lot. I don't think that I have any TikTok skills and I don't know if any three of us have time to be scrolling and learning what's trendy. Uh, so we just ask our girls, we're like, what is cool right now? Can you make this for us? Will you post this on your end? Um, and they absolutely love it. And they, you know, they take ownership of it. And that also is a cool way to get your, your girls involved with the program.
0: That's a great idea. Cause I wouldn't have a first clue. I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't have any clip.
2: um so let's kind of talk about scouting reports at at multiple stops you've had a major role in in kind of helping create the scouts and scouting reports and etc um and and I think this can be tricky whether it's the collegiate level the high school level it's how long should a scouting report be how much information do you truly want to give your players and kind of when does it become that balance of preparing for the opponent but also kind of doing what you do, what, what would be your, what would be your guidance on some scouting report creation?
1: Absolutely. Um, I err on the side of less is more and concise information. So whether it's just bullet points and it's like maximum seven words in the sentence or whatever, just finding a way to, to be really concise for us, especially obviously these young women are in really rigorous courses They are busy. Um, They want the information fast and clear. They're used to it that way. Um, And they'll tell you also, you know, if it seems too wordy or too much, which is great. I love that about them for for our team. Uh, So I keep it really short and sweet. So especially in the first two pages, a lot of times we have an overview. We use the program Just Play. The front is an overview, talks about the team at large, um, a little bit of information. Maybe we played them last year. So, hey, they had a great season last year. They lost three of their starters. Just kind of give them a picture first, a bigger picture of what the team is about right now. Um and then go a little bit deeper into um their offense, their defense and then the personnel. So for us, we try to keep it pretty pretty short and sweet for personnel, four bullet points of who they are, what they do specifically, and then um on the right side we'll usually do how to stop them defensively. But I think a lot of it is um just being really clear about what you guys want. I usually add on the end of the scout a bunch of more detail. So I'm just like, hey, please look at the first two. Um, Please know these very, very well. Um, But if you are somebody that loves a ton of information, do you need to see stats? Do you need to see um, depth charts? Do you need to see shot charts? Um, they are at the end of the scout if you want to go through and learn a bit bit more, which some some players really love. And they're they're really detail-oriented, and that makes them feel more confident. So I think it's a mixture of, hey, here's the really you know meat and potatoes of what you need to know. But if you want to dive deeper, here's all this information. And as we talk through the scout, we're going through the film. I'll be a little bit more detailed. So we'll talk through who these kids are. But as they go, see how she jabs right here, loves to go left into her step back. She does that every time. Whatever it is, just being a little a bit more detailed as you talk through it but on the actual physical scout a little bit more clear and concise
0: oh that, that's awesome that's as, and especially you know we talk just talk about technology right everything's in what 30 second clips right 15 seconds so you know kids are used to that these days that's kind of how they they communicate i'm mm-hmm. also recognizing like the amount of I guess programs and things that now you can do all this stuff right you have any number of things you just mentioned a couple that I haven't I hadn't even thought of that you guys use you know it's it's crazy the amount of stuff now you should have thought about that John gone into the uh, scouting scouting business there's so many programs it's so cool you know you mm-hmm. can get anything you want Definitely. so all right so I want to want to kind of tie this in here um you know, in your experiences, you've come on, whether you played or or coached with some, some new head coaches, right. First time head coaches. Um, So let's talk about the, the the player aspect, right. Um, As as a player, right. How did you adjust? And then maybe, you know, you've been in the program and and assist your head coach and kind of getting comfortable, maybe knowing the girls, um, kind of figuring out, figuring out the landscape and then, take that to the coaching aspect of helping your head coach kind of gain that confidence and get a get a clarity early on of kind of what the what the program is right because it's always a learning curve every time you come in somewhere
1: yeah absolutely as a player it's so it it's now becoming more and more clear to me in the roles that I've had um why maybe my journey has taken certain directions that it has Like I, I really did not think of how many first-time head coaches I have worked with until I was set to talk to you guys, and I was like, "Wow, wait, Michelle was also." new to Dundee crown as a head coach. And then both my college coaches, when I, you know, started out at Florida Southern and then transferred, and then it's just kind of has trickled on and on. But I think what's been really neat is that my perspective as a student athlete with first time head, first time head coaches or first time coaches at the new program, um, has really helped me as a coach now understand what that coach may be feeling. Um, just by knowing what it was like as a player to sometimes feel certain things or, Um, Experience certain unclarity from the head coach's standpoint or whatever it was. um, It's definitely helped me now see how I can be helpful as an assistant coach. Uh, I know as a point guard, as a shooting guard um, in college, it was really helpful, I think, to my development as, you know, a, a future coach to be that I had opportunities on the floor to be, you know, coach on the floor and to have a voice and speak to my my coach and, and tell them about what I'm seeing or help them understand some of my teammates and how they learn or how they listen or how they are motivated. Um, it helped me kind of change my lens at times to be a little bit more coach minded than player minded. Um, And then it obviously trickled into some of the the roles that I've had. And um, I've learned over the last couple of years and working with first time head coaches um, that the most important thing is to support them and have their back, Uh, whatever it is you you ride with them and you make sure that they know that your your loyalty is where it is and that you'll do anything that you can to to help them be successful in, in their new role um, you know, helping them see through any blind spots that they have. Um, they're going to be really lasered in focus, super passionate, super excited, super ready. Um, but I think sometimes that could, that could create tunnel vision that could, um, leave some blind spots and just helping them see through those and, and have their back and cover different areas when, when needed so that they can focus on, you know, building the program, supporting the team, coaching the team, when it comes to, to being in season, um, just having their, their backs on, um, any of the kind of peripheral stuff that comes up. Uh, and then also like just being a step ahead when you can, uh, finding things that, that could be, um, a need for them, any information that they may need and just thinking ahead and, and having it ready for them so that they don't have to, to stress on anything.
0: All right. So I'm going to follow on this a little bit. And and then now you more personally, when you you're in that role and you're the assistant coach kind of. Finding your role in that program, and obviously it's different for every every coach you have, right? They have different mm-hmm. things they want done in the program, um, you know, so finding your role and then presenting, I always find this interesting, presenting ideas to your, your head coach, right? And again, it, you know, we tell our players, know your personnel. Well, you got to kind of know your coach. Everybody's different, but how do you go about those two things of like kind of carving out your role? Obviously, it has something to do with your skills that you have, mm-hmm. but then- when you have an idea, Hey coach, I have an idea that this might work, or I saw something, how do you go about presenting that?
1: Yeah. Finding the role is, is a lot of fun with each new staff one, because obviously your coach is going to tell you what your actual job is, what, what roles do you you know need to do and cover for for the program? But you're also dealing with a lot of new people, depending on how big your staff is. Ours is a staff of five, you know, there's, staffs of 12, 15, um, with GAs and whatever it is, but finding, you know, how you work with other people and what your head coach really needs, um, from you, it, it, not just the, the actual role that you're presenting, not just the, the things that you're doing for them, but also what personality do you need to take on? Um, how, how do you need to be around them? Um, is a really, really fun process. Um, so I think that, like you said, is really different from, from job to job. It is really about, To adding what you can bring to the program. What are your special skill sets beyond what you're being asked to do beyond, you you need to scout these games. You need to be the recruiting coordinator. Um, what, what do you bring to the program? So, um, you know, for me, I talked with coach, you know, besides the, the obvious I'm coaching the post players, I'm the recruiting coordinator, but I'm really passionate about community service and I'm really passionate about mental health for our players. So she also added that on to to my role and responsibilities uh, is to bring up new ideas in those two areas, Um, bring up ideas for how we can engage in our community, which is so important just for us to serve, but also for us to connect and and to build a fan base. And then for mental health, just what kind of resources do we have on Harvard's campus? How can we get these girls uh, tapped into any of their needs? Um, And so that was, for example, just something that I kind of added on to my roles and responsibilities, but also from the aspect of, bringing up new ideas. I just, I just bring up ideas. I don't know what to say. There's no special formula. I don't care if you say no. I don't care if you say heck no. Um, but a lot of times also a no turns into like a maybe, or a let me create my own idea from that. And thank you. So um, I just try to make sure that it's quality. As long as it's an idea that I have really thought about and I'm really passionate about, I'll bring it to the table. If it's something that just like spur of the moment came up, or it's just taken from somebody else, but I don't really have the belief or understanding or information to back it, I'm not going to bring it up. But um, I I just will bring up honestly whatever that I'm really passionate about and and just see where it lands. And um, you know if your your boss is receptive to it. It's great um, if they're not super respe- receptive to it. I still think it's really important, especially if they seem to reject things right away. A lot of times they're just going to mull it over and it may not come to a yes, but it may add to them and add to their mentality or the way that they're thinking in some way, shape or form.
0: All right, I want to transition to our halftime adjustments. This is more X's and O's. Um, all right, anybody who's worked a, a division one game or, or played in one knows getting stats like, in, during the timeout after the timeout timeout right you're getting all kinds of stuff so when you go in at halftime you played your half um what are you kind of narrowing it down to to look at like hey we're we're being successful um you know you're kind of your key stats or we need to improve on this how are you kind of determining those adjustments and what you're going to kind of go up, plan for the second half when before you go in and talk to your players
1: yeah so obviously from the assistant standpoint if it's Uh, my scout it's a lot different than when it's not so that's when you have a little bit bigger role in terms of um kind of calling those adjustments and 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 raising those to the table but we go through uh defense offense culture that's how we specifically speak so that we we stay on topic and stay um getting through everything that we need to so defensively like you said how are they beating us um what do we need to adjust so we'll actually live stat um, line by line every defensive possession. So that's um, one of my roles is, is what did they run? How did they beat us? What was the outcome? Um, and so we're talking about that. I mean, those adjustments are happening in, in, you know, our, our live timeouts as well Is you know, three times in a row, They beat our hard hedge, pass it to the one more and, and, you know, got a three-point shot or or pass it into the post from, from, you know, the top of the key. And so we're trying to do that live always, but obviously at halftime, um, a big thing is going through that, um, going through that sheet, talking about the different ways that they beat us specifically and really staying on, on pace with what are they, you know, doing the most of what are they running the most and, and how are they beating us in that regard? Um, so bringing those ideas, like you said earlier, um, bringing those ideas up to coach, how can we, how can we change this? Having an idea right away of what you would like to do and seeing if they agree, um, is a big part coming with solutions, not coming with problems. Um, so we, we try to talk that over right away is, is the defensive side. Um, we'll use stats, obviously, like you said, so once we can grab a stat sheet, um, uh, we'll see how many times they beat us in transition, how many post touches they, or paint touches they have, um, et cetera, that can kind of help back us on that regard, or especially offensive rebounds is something that we really tune into is how many offensive rebounds or second chance points have we given up. Um, so we can really harp that with our, with our girls as well. And then offense, um, you know, one of our other coaches is a little bit more of, um, on the offensive role mine is defensive. Um, so bringing up, same way that we chart every single possession defensively. It's offensively as well. What have we ran? What were the outcomes? Um, what is open? Has that team also made adjustments? Do we perceive that through our, our scouting that they are going to change in the second half, especially if we're killing them on this play. Hey, we might need to be looking at this option next time. Cause I'm sure that now that they're going to, you know, take away that pass or whatever it is. Um, and then culturally, we talk about, um, you know, how tight are our huddles? Um, how connected are we? How much are we talking on on defense, on offense? Um, what does our energy look like? Uh, so those are kind of the the main things that we're we're talking about at halftime.
2: I really like the end there, the the cultural adjustments. I don't think we've really had any guests talk about that. So that that's really good stuff right there. I'm
0: just impressed she can chart she can chart defensively and watch the game at the same time. That is not one of my skills. I mess that up consistently. Watching sometimes it looks wrong, like
1: wrong. yeah. Sometimes it looks like chicken scratch. Um and I missed <laughs> a couple of plays, don't get me wrong, but we're doing our best out there.
0: I am not that is not one of my uh skills. I mess it up all the time. I miss like three possessions. Like, oh crap.
1: Right, right.
2: So when in, in multiple stops, you've you've worked with the post players and So just real simple for some, from some coaches out there, what are two to three things that you would want each post player to learn? And then in your, in your coaching mind, are you bigger on, you know, more of the natural old school, you know, post players, high post, short, uh, short corner, low post footwork, or are you more on post players that can step out ball screen, shoot the three, et cetera?
1: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, post-player development has, um, been my role for, um, actually all the years that I've been an assistant coach, which has been extremely fun. Um, the two or three things I would say are most important are footwork. So we say win the battle of the feet and that's both on the offensive end and defensive end. Um, so just getting our, our footing, our positioning, right. Um, so that we can, uh, take advantage, create space, um, and, and, you know, just be one step ahead, um, of our opponent. Uh, another would be just efficiently scoring over both shoulders. Um, I, I don't specifically, you know, need them to have a really deep bag of moves. How well do you score at the, you know, three different ways that you regularly can score at the rim? Um, and can you do that really efficiently and, and use your body when the battle of the feet, uh, be physical and, and, and score for us and, uh, take contact. Um, I'm going to answer your question two for one here. I do love players that can stretch the floor, um, pick and pop, pick and roll, um, set really great screens. Um, so I'm going to use that also as the third skill, um, is just being able to hustle, have a motor, okay. Get to the screen, get yourself set and then make a play out of it. Get your guard open, but also get yourself open, um, and then get on and hit that three. Let's go.
0: All right. So I want to talk about your recruiting aspect. All right. So obviously at at Harvard um, academically, right, it's a different, different set of requirements you have to have. But um, first off, I want to talk about like, just how you go about the process of like establishing your your plan, right. And and having your focuses of who we're going to go after, obviously transfers and, and things like that. And people that come in and out have a lot to do with it. But when you're looking at this as a whole getting ready to start okay we need this and this and this how do you kind of formulate your plan and organize it to you know know what we're going after throughout the year
1: yeah so it is really unique at the at Harvard uh at the Ivy League level um where Academics plays a role. So, first and foremost, um, you can kind of check that off your list when you're going through the recruiting process. Uh, but for us, first and foremost, it's knowing um, what your head coach really, really needs and wants. So, us going through our depth chart, um, unlike how it is at a, at a lot of different division in institutions now, is we actually will have, you know, four year players. Uh, people aren't jumping in and out of the portal. So, it's a little bit more cut and dry of, the different skill sets that we're going to need, the different players that we're going to need to recruit in any given class. Um, so it's just knowing uh, what what are we losing and uh, what do we then need to gain is, is really important um, in terms of the way that we go after it is a little bit different than um, other schools as well. So we need a really big li- list. So we need depth and breadth. So it's not necessarily going to be, we're going after these 10 players for, for these three spots. Uh, we need to recruit a lot of kids. Because uh, the way that, you know, the nature of our school is, is we can attract top 25 players in the class. Um, but also those kids very may well, sco- you know, choose a bigger school over us. So um, just having a really deep list of of awesome kids that can play for us and, and watching them and really evaluating them, really knowing them as a player, what they bring to our program, um, who they are as a human is is really important um so our our main um objectives as we recruit a person is unity grit integrity joy so this summer we spent hours together as a staff um kind of defining what we what we want in a Harvard women's basketball player and identified those those four kind of ingredients um, of what is going to make our culture really strong and going to bring us to championship level status again. So um, after that, it's just going out and attacking, attacking our list. So getting on the road, you know, we're recruiting from Cambridge to California um, out to Hungary where I was this summer. Um, We're recruiting all over the world. Um, So it's really exciting. Uh, It's really challenging, Uh, but it is, it is such a blessing to, to get to recruit for what an incredible institution and one that has been a championship program in the past and um, that we feel we're, we're really close to getting back to that as well.
2: Coach, say those four things again.
1: Unity, grit, integrity, and joy.
2: All right. I just want to make sure I have that because that was excellent stuff right there. Um, All right. We're going to, we're going to kind of tweak the last couple of questions with you. The first one is is more about Illinois basketball and Todd and I are, are uh, I guess sponsored or partnered with the illinois basketball coaches association so i'm gonna kind of zone in on illinois for a second and you know in your mind what are some things that the state does does well um in comparison to other states and and you kind of recruit all over the nation as you said and maybe what are some things that you think illinois should do that other coaches don't do and let's see how long tada takes her to say the word shot clock
1: uh Shot clock. Okay. There you go. Uh, no, um, you know, right when you asked about the future of the game in in Illinois, I, I honestly think right back to the history of it, which I'm much more familiar with um, and how strong girls basketball has been in this state for so long, um, you know, playing and growing up under Joe Kamarmi at Dundee Crown. Um, and the early Thanksgiving and Christmas tournaments um, that have been there for, for so, so long. Candace Parker dunking in my gym for the first time ever. Um, it just has a really rich, rich history of basketball and um, one that a lot of other states are, are now catching up with or um, really on par with. Um, but it's, it's been here a long time and girls basketball has been popular here a a really long time. Um, and I think that has so much to do with the, you know, awesome individuals that are coaching here. We have so many coaches that have been in the game for 10, 20, 30 years coaching at the same school. Um, and it's just a really, really strong network of, of individuals who really deeply care about girls basketball. So I think that's really what I would say and and compliment Illinois on is, um, the network of, of awesome coaches that care tremendously about growing this game and, um, supporting their, their young girls, their young women, um, and, and growing it and growing it, um, in, you know, different ways. Like you said, IBCA, um, you know, there's just people here, you know, supporting our coaches and supporting our, our young people so that. The game can grow. Um, our AAU programs are growing. I think stronger and stronger. More, um, you know, teams on um, whether it's they're a shoe program you know, all in elite going Adidas, you know, Midwest elite, um, you know, there's so many teams that are, that are really, really strong and then new ones that come out of nowhere and all of a sudden have really great kids. Um, so I think Illinois has just done a a really good job of, of, you know, elevating our game and getting girls on different stages so that they are being seen nationally when it comes to obviously college recruiting, which I'm a little bit more, um, you know, zoomed in on, um, in terms of what they would change. I don't think I'm close enough to, to give a really great answer, but again, I will reiterate shot clock would be just so fantastic for all, for all parties. So
2: Todd and I have really started to hit on this, you know, when obviously when Todd and I started, when you were playing high school basketball, when Todd and I were in high school, there were, there were so many coaches that did it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, something Todd and I noticed last year and, and a little bit the year before, but not so much in COVID, but definitely last year there was like 30 to 35 head coaching openings between boys and girls in the last year. And you're just seeing so many people leave in droves coaches that are leaving in droves, the profession, not necessarily just high school, but just the profession. Um, so what do you think we can do, especially on the high school level to kind of maintain the coaches to kind of maintain, you know, those coaches that have been places for 10, 20. I mean, we, we saw coaches take jobs in the spring and then leave in the summer. Um, so kind of how, how can we go back to kind of maintaining that tradition of, of people being there for, for decades?
1: That's a great question. Um, I would imagine that support is huge. And that's probably also from their athletic department. Um, not only, you know, being being grateful and showing love, um, just, you know, in a way of, you know, thank you. And you're doing an incredible job, but um resources, money, um, supporting the program in ways that, you know, they need to make it better, to make it um maybe even easier on the coaches at, at times would be, you know, really huge. But um, I think it would just be that that support, I imagine. Um, and, and that coming from their athletic department, coming from their community and, um, you know, a strong, strong program that they're building. Um, just having it from, you know, the bottom up, just a ton of support for for what they're doing.
0: All right. So I want to talk about your, your involvement in the WBCA's. Uh, so you want to be a coach program. You, you graduated from there. Um, first of all, tell us what the program was about. And then, in general, why is it important to be involved in those kind of coaching communities and the benefits of, of whatever community you're you're involved in?
1: Yeah. So, you want to be a coach? Program is the biggest has had the biggest impact on my coaching career, uh, and that was the first the first thing, which is crazy. But um, that program comes from the WBCA. Um, it was a program that I had to apply for and have recommendations for, and luckily I knew one person in division one coaching at that time. Um, Her name is Shimmy Gray Miller and she helped me get into, so you want to be a coach. And um, from there, the program was so much about women leaders uh, just pouring into college seniors who are interested in the coaching profession. So whether it was an X's and O's breakdown, um, or a, how to meet people network and get into this coaching profession, um, or how to take care of our kids, the type of mental health stuff that we're talking about, we were talking about then they're still talking about having breakout sessions and, and talking about all that. Um, so they really covered over about three days everything that we needed to know to kind of get head started and and jump right into the coaching profession. And I'm so incredibly grateful for my time with that group because that did get me my first job and it was at university of Florida with Amanda Butler and with Shimmy, um, and got me, you know, head started, um, on a career that I absolutely love and adore and has taken me places that I never thought I'd be able to go to. Um, WBCA is huge now for me still. So that is, um, you know, an organization that every year I am a part of, I go to the final four convention and dive into numerous topics um, over again, the course of a couple of days. Also, I um, stay in touch with the We Coach organization, which is women's coaches at large, uh, which I think is really cool because women's basketball is very different than other sports in terms of our profession. Um, And so to just hear from other coaches and learn from how they interact with their their student athletes, what they do for their program, how they market it, um, anything like that is is really neat and just gives you a little bit um, of a broader perspective of coaching profession at large.
0: And then second part of that is how, how do we continue to grow the number of women's coaches in the game? And, and, you know, there's, we, we, we were fortunate enough to talk to awesome coaches. Jimmy Jimmy's a rockstar. She's, she was awesome. We had her on, she was so generous. And if you look at her Twitter, she's good at shoveling now, apparently she's all out there shoveling and, and doing all kinds of stuff. But, um, but how do we continue to grow the number of women's coaches in the game both yeah, in the and the women's side, but also on the on the men's side, right? There's there's plenty of good coaches that can coach anywhere, any level. So how do we build that and and keep it going and keep the momentum going?
1: First of all, thank you for asking the question. I think that's awesome and um already shows your support of of growing the women's game. Um, I think that, you know, first of all, representation matters. And when you're asking about, you know, seeing women on the men's side, um, seeing that and, and seeing coaches at the, you know. NBA level, you know, working with the Memphis Grizzlies, working with the Boston Celtics, uh, will just show that you can do it. You absolutely can do it. Becky Hammond now also, you know, switches back to Las Vegas a- aces and immediately wins, you know, championship is, is incredible, but, um, just knowing that you can do it and that the opportunities are there. And I think that a lot of, um, you know, coaches on the men's side are looking to hire women, which I think is phenomenal. Um, But I think it just shows, um, you know, representation really, really matters. Um, And then just like support and encouragement. I think these programs are doing a really great job uh, of keeping women and and retaining women and and supporting them. Um, And it just takes a heightened level of that over and over again. Um, I think that, you know, women are, are growing in this profession and we have strong and incredible women leaders. I have an awesome, you know, head coach who is a woman. We have an athletic director who is a woman and now Harvard now has a female president as well of the university. Um, so really, really excited and an an encouraging time for women, um, you know, to jump in and to stay in the sport.
2: Yes, I, I will just add and, and thank you for that. you know, Todd and I are major proponents of of women's basketball and women in coaching and it, it's one of the reasons we started this podcast amongst many um, just because we have both been in the women's side for far far too long or more years than Todd and I want to admit. Uh, that just means we're old. but yes, that is definitely something we are passionate about. Um, so as we as we get into our last two segments, the first one's called 30 second timeout. Um, this is kind of where our, our, we allow our guests to have a, a platform to talk about whatever they want um, themselves, their family, their program, um, something they want the listeners to know about. Uh, turn the tables on Todd and I and ask us a question. Um, kind of the, the floor is yours, whatever you want to talk about.
1: I. I think Harvard basketball is the most exciting thing on my plate right now, and I can't get enough of it or stop thinking about it. And, and actually so excited to get back um, to the program from, from our break here, but um, there's just a huge buzz uh, around our program. And that's from our, our players, our staff, our alumni, our fans. um, And it's just so incredible to, to work for, you know, a school that has such an incredible tradition, a program that has such an incredible tradition and alumni that are that are super, super supportive. And we have we have Princeton coming up. And so my girls are teaching us about um, that little tradition, which is beat Princeton and, um, you know, a a rivalry uh, that is so, so strong um, and so, so much fun to be a part of. Um, And, you know, our, we had a Yale game for football, which is a huge tradition uh, that is super, super old where thousands and thousands and thousands of people came on um, onto Cambridge. Cambridge's campus and um we got to see, you know, at large the the Harvard faithful. Um so just a really exciting time to be a part of a program like this and um a chance to rebuild a championship program is uh definitely the most exciting thing right now for me.
0: All right. We're going into the last segment. Quick hitters, rapid fire, random questions. We do emphasize random, um, yeah. not necessarily about basketball. Uh, the first one, most unique food you've eaten in your travels.
1: Okay. I'm going to go with fried gator bites. Thank you, Gainesville, Florida, for, for a good old time.
2: Right. And it's fried. It's got to be good, right? I mean got to be on. fried.
1: It's, yes, absolutely.
2: I had a feeling when she played in Florida and said she coached at Florida, I was waiting for some gator, some. Something. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. All right.
2: So best collegiate, if this is as a player, best collegiate travel
1: story okay collegiate travel story i'm gonna go with we played in dc um and most of our girls had never been on public transportation and our coach had us go on um one of their trains i don't know if they were called subways um but our player got her bag stuck in the door and we had to have the whole force of the team behind her squeezing it through and it was really hilarious (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's awesome uh all right you're welcome to the varsity moment as a high school player like you got on the court and you're like oh boy somebody gave it to you somebody was giving it to you maybe somebody really good you played against whatever it may be
1: okay i really thought about this i i I don't know if I have a great one, but I do remember a game where I came in very, very confident and I was point guard and I got picked off so many times individually um, and had to go through a very big growth moment of um, learning how to protect the ball, um, but also um, just having that confidence shaken a little bit as a freshman.
2: All right. So now this is one you can laugh about now, but maybe a time you messed up in coaching that at the time, maybe you weren't laughing, but now now you can kind of laugh about it.
1: This is so hard because you never want to laugh at stuff like this. Um, but I remember in a media timeout, I reported a stat very wrong to my boss. And I was like, outrage. It was like, I read something wrong somewhere. And I was like, they have 10 offensive rebounds in the first five minutes. And I was fully wrong. And she said <laughs> it to the team and then was very mad at me. So that is, I'm somewhat chuckling now, but it was a horrible moment. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, John put this one in, so I'm guessing he has some inside information. Are you a Cubs fan or a Sox fan?
1: Cubs fan, baby.
0: Okay, so I, I'm, I'm guessing I'm he knew. I'm doing
1: my homework. Okay,
0: okay just, you, you, never, you never know. You never know. Favorite Cubs player of all time.
1: Okay, I'm going to go with my man, Anthony Rizzo. All
0: right, yeah, you, Big love great, for Rizzo. You know, you're, you're, I know you're, it's you're, a popular a choice. Star. I know it's no, a you're a younger you're a younger Cubs fan so that's yeah. that's right
2: near, right,
1: right near well yeah uh, I Sam Sammy Sosa come on now I was gonna say it but I was very young then okay. but yeah, it's yeah. Rizzo now it was
2: a fun time absolutely
1: I don't,
2: I don't think she was gonna you know turn to Dave Kingman Todd she's, she's... Oh, she wasn't going
0: uh I'm, I'm a Andre <laughs> Dawson guy that's my guy Andre Dawson
2: okay all right so last one this very very heavy hitting question on New Year's Eve are you a go out person or a stay in person
1: we have a game on New Year's Eve. Okay. So my answer is going to be go out if we win, stay in if we lose.
0: <laughs> there and, you go. I like it.
2: Um, So coach, we we were really excited to get you on. We, we've talked to, had multiple people that you know on, Shimmy Gray, Miller. We've had Ryan Gensler. And everyone we've talked to that that knows you was like, you got to have Alexander. Sanders. You got to have Allie Sanders. So thank you so much for being on today with us. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in concert with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Please remember to give us a five-star rating wherever you may listen. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout and subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening.